Hi there. Welcome to the Good Life Community Church Podcast. Today is Mike's message from our Vision Sunday Gathering 2024. I hope you feel encouraged and uplifted by the vision that he shared on Sunday. Every single person in this room hopes. Hopes for something. You're hoping for something this year. You're hoping for something for your family or for your life, for your work. But at whatever point you made the decision or the decision was made for you to come to church and it was disappointing, my daughter could share the same story. She didn't have the choice to have parents who planted a church. She grew up in that and that's all she knew. And then one day we said, we're going to finish up here. Gosh, sorry. It was one of the hardest conversations I ever had with my daughter because she just cried and she said, I don't want to leave. This is our church. This is our family and all my friends are here. And um, when we made the decision to move to the Sunshine Coast, I remember one time saying to me, I'm never going to find friends like here. I'm not going to like it. You know, like the whole, and it's just like, ah. And we got up here and she kept saying it. Until one day, we're driving in the car home from Good Life. And she said, actually, Dad, I love this church. And... We started coming along here and she found community. And it just reminds me that when you get yourself planted into something, gosh, it's a, it's a rough thing when your parents or someone or life circumstances changes that dynamic and then you have to navigate something new. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And when we came to the Sunshine Coast, um, I'd vaguely heard of Good Life, or I'd heard of this centre, but I didn't realise it was called Good Life. And as I shared before, some people were at our church back in Sydney, so when you go to the sunny coast, you need to go check out Good Life. It's your kind of church. And I was so curious what they meant by it's your kind of church. And it was when I came in here for the first time and I saw the vision and I went, oh my goodness, someone's done this. Because we used to talk about this. And then, and I realised in my mind, having been around leadership and for a long time, what it would have cost a community to do this uh, in terms of time and sacrifice and vision and faithfulness to that vision and financial giving. And we had no clue that a couple of years later, we would end up in a conversation to get the chance for the next chapter to lead and serve this community as pastors here. And obviously, Teresa's not sitting down here this morning because she's up leading children's ministry upstairs. Um, but we feel so honoured and so privileged that we get the chance to be together with a, the kind of community that if someone said, we have to change, we're going to go somewhere else, you'd be devastated. You'd be crying. Why? Because, not because it isn't maybe what God wants you to do for the next time, but because you've invested your heart and your life and your time and your finance into building a community 
And I'm telling you, the world is craving loving community. Yesterday, we moved house. Thank you. Thank you to the people that helped us, which is what I want to say. And I, I was watching my neighbours looking across the road as this army of blokes turned up. And I was wondering in, in my mind whether or not any of them go, what, where do all these people come from? Um, who are all these like super buff, ripped guys? They're in here this morning. Um, so just wanted to encourage you. That's how they see you. Um, that's how I see you. And then moving into the new place and then thinking, these new neighbours, did any of them go, what? what? Who moves with this many people? What's going on? Is this the football team that's all joined together? But it was this, this moment of gratitude in my heart where I realised I'm so grateful. I can even take it for granted, but I didn't because I've grown up in it my whole life because my parents invested in us and got us established in a faith community where we invested and it was hard work, but we fought for it and I watched them fight for community. I watched them drive 30 minutes on a Friday night to take me to youth and then go home and then come back later. Sometimes they did a deal with a youth pastor to get us dropped home. But it made such a difference because now I'm experiencing the fruit of community. And I want to say that right at the beginning because it makes all the difference in the world when we are part of a community that offers life and community for people and that serves people. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 to 23 in the message, Eugene Peterson translates it like this. He says, God raised Christ, says him in the actual text, but just so you knew who we were talking about. God raised Christ from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. I love that picture. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule, And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. I want to pause for a moment and make a comment about that phrase. That can make it sound like the church is meant to be the empire of the world. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because as the next verse says, the church is Christ's body. And who is Christ? He's the servant king. He's the servant of all humanity who lays down his life for the world. And the center means that we are the centerpiece of what God is wanting to do in and through the world, through a community called the church, the ecclesia, is the original word here. And it's this idea that God through Christ and His body, the church, will be salt and light. That wherever we go out to every aspect of the planet, we will represent Jesus' life, the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And everything that we touch, everywhere that we go, we will bring the life of heaven In everything we do, in everything we say, wherever we go. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks 
and he acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Amen. The vision hasn't changed. We have the same vision. We have the same mission. But every year as we join together on this day, the point of it is that we can remind ourselves and unite again with renewed focus on what it is that God has called us to do, on who it is that God has called us to be. There are 350,000 people more than that living on the Sunshine Coast, and it's growing. It's one of the fastest growing areas in Australia. And I know some of you are disappointed about that. And everyone from Sydney and Melbourne that's in here this morning, let's just band together from these locals in Queensland who are against us all moving here because it's God's promised land. I'm sorry. When we first moved here, no joke, a lady at Coles at Nambour, I don't even know how it came up in Coles, but somehow it came up where I'd said, oh, we've just moved up here from Sydney. And she went, oh, you're one of them. I was like, sorry, I'll go. Um, A few interesting stats. There's 29% of that 350,000 plus couples with children. 32% without children. This is the retirement capital of Australia, pretty much. (laughs) And it's one of the most passionate retirement places ever. And then this is like the epicenter of it right here at Good Life. <laughs> That's why we have a thriving over 55s ministry. I just upped it five years, by the way. It's over 50s, but I was just like, I turned 50 a long way ahead at the end of this year. Anyway, but it's fine. I'm looking forward. I've got a great future, obviously. I've got ukulele, got over 50s. I'm like, you guys are party animals. Anyway. We have, though, 23% of this population that live alone. Now, that's not all bad. Some, those, many of those people are stoked. <laughs> They're just like, "Woo! no stress in my house. I decide what happens. But what I do know is that in our country, even in families and, among, and with people that live alone, there is a genuine epidemic of loneliness in which people are craving genuine community, and which is why it's one of the most exciting and beautiful things, especially when I show people through the Good Life Center and they see so much life and activity in so many people. And the lady that said to me a year and a half ago in in the cafe when we had a morning tea, she said to me, this place saved my life. And I don't know yet, but as far as I'm aware... She hasn't made a a profession to follow Jesus or come to our faith community or our worship service. But God is at work in her life. God is at work in her life through this centre, through this community, because we want to make sure that nobody does life alone, that nobody stands alone. Our mission is pretty simple. It's to equip people to live the bigger story. What does that mean? Equip is a way of talking about making disciples. Jesus commissioned his disciples and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and so I'm, com- I'm commissioning you. I'm sending you. I'm setting you apart. And I'm saying, go into all the world and make disciples wherever you go. Literally, the phrase is, in your going. In your going, make disciples. And that word disciple is not a common phrase we use these days. It's 
better understood as apprentice, and we'll unpack this a little bit more in the coming weeks, but it's this idea that we're being shaped in the way of the master. An apprentice needs to learn how to do things the way the master does things. And this is our calling. It's twofold. One, to be those people who are positioning ourselves to be equipped. Am I allowing God and others to help shape me to become a follower of Jesus, an apprentice of the master? And are we going to play our role, all of us individually, to equip others to live the bigger story? This is another way of saying the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. The biggest story is there's more to life than your individual story. There's something bigger going on. And the bigger thing according to Jesus and the Gospels is the kingdom of God being sown like a seed that slowly grows. And all the different parable examples that Jesus uses to express the fact that God's bringing about His rule and His reign throughout the earth. He's redeeming and restoring and making all things new. And He has a people, a body, because God is spirit, through whom He is working out His purposes with. This is the bigger story, and we get to play our part, even contribute a verse, as Walt Whitman says in one of his famous poems. We may even contribute a verse in this extraordinarily huge story that God is about. Our actual centre here, uh, a couple of, uh, a year and a half ago, sharpened up our uh, purpose statement so that all of our staff and all of our team and volunteers knew exactly why they come to work and why we do what we do at this centre. And we say it this because we've, we've gra- we say it like this, we've grabbed the phrase people matter, which is just a phrase that's just not just a sticker on the back of someone's car, It's a deep value that we have. Because people matter, all people matter to God. And because all people matter to God, they matter to us as his apprentices, as his disciples. And so we say, because people matter, we're doing three things. We're building community. We're fostering health, and that's holistically. And we're offering hope. And when I was chatting about this with some of our staff team when we were workshopping this, One of our team here, who does an incredible job in our aquatics and in the pool area, was chatting to one of the other staff and they said, all right, I can can see how we build community, I can see how we foster health, but I don't know how we offer hope. And this leader, one of our senior coaches, he just jumped straight on that and he went, oh, yeah, we offer hope every single day. And he just starts saying, what about that kid? And he starts telling a story about a kid who was in the swim center, in the swim uh, squad, sorry, and what happened with his family and how they got to play a a role in offering hope to this situation. And you can see this is being caught. And you know what I've realized? Is that when we invite people to go on mission with us, one day they they wake up and they say, ah, I think I believe in the God of the mission that I've been part of because I didn't realize that I was invited into God's mission all along. Because the biggest story of God's kingdom of heaven doesn't always start for every person with, you are the Messiah. Because Peter didn't have that revelation at first. He was on mission with Jesus well before he realized, oh, I see who you are. I see what you're doing. 
And this is going to tie into the idea that I want to talk about today in a few minutes because I want to launch a theme and a vision for this year that's going to involve every single person making a commitment in their heart to say, what does that look like for me? But before I do, I want to talk about how this plays out. You have a quick look at this, and we'll unpack this over the next few weeks in our Good Life series a little bit more. But on this next um, image, we have four different areas where we try to outlive this mission and this vision. In our neighborhood, we're called as a community to love our neighbors. Every single one of us are called to go and to love and to make sure that our neighbors know that they are loved and that God's love is shown through us. Jesus said that. We need to love one another. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. But as we get to love our neighbors, there comes a point very often where we have the chance to invite them to our home, to our community. And this is where we invite guests into our foyer. And we have many foyers here at Good Life through our whole center, through all the different programs that we run. And I want to emphasize one of them at the moment because every now and again, there's a bit of chitter chatter because you know how teenagers are. They like to compare. And, you know, when I was a youth pastor and when I was a teenager, I like to think my youth group and our youth group was the best. And we used to come up with, you know, ways to make the other youth. It was very un-Jesus-like, but we didn't know that at the time. Uh, it was all about competition. It was like, how many kids in our youth group? And it was like, how wild are the kids in our youth group? How much fun do we have in our youth group? And, you know, how many um, gherkins got thrown on the wall at Macca's after the youth conference where we just learnt how to love our neighbours? And we were always doing this comparison. But what happens is, and I've heard this said, is that we have um, kids from some other youth groups, because some kids in our youth group have said the same thing to me, and they go, oh, apparently at our youth group, we're not full on for Jesus because we just play games. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because when you understand these four images up here, you understand that though I'm praying for every single youth ministry in this country, in this planet, to thrive and to be safe and to look like Jesus and actually establish young people in a faith that will serve them for their life centered around Christ. Everyone does it different in different ways and styles. But one thing we've noticed, and I've noticed, because we had the same philosophy at our church back in Sydney, is that there is a whole heap of kids that are never going to walk into an exciting praise and worship church-style youth event because it's too overwhelming, it's too, big, it's too far down the path for them. Some kids will instantly gravitate towards that and some kids won't. But we decided on our Friday nights, we want to create a foyer environment that makes it so easy for all the kids in our community that want to come along through our schools to come in and to taste and see that God is good, to experience the love of Christ through our youth leaders and our Christian young people who are here, who we're always trying to encourage them to get on board with the mission and the, the mission and the vision and realize it's not about us, it's always about them. And how do we create a space where we, we welcome anyone, no matter who they are? And so on a Friday night, yeah, we play games, but it's games with a purpose to build community, to use up all the energy, right, parents? To encourage our young people to say, Let's keep creating a space where we can invite them and we can begin to share and sow seeds that shows them what God's love looks like in practice. And then on a Sunday morning, we move to our lounge in our kitchen, really, environment where our kids are learning in a more focused and passionate environment how to worship God, which is why we're having them in here once a month because we don't yet have a youth band just yet. 
but their chance for them to be able to really encounter God's presence, to be able to worship God, to be able to learn about God's incredible ways and His plan and purpose for them. So we have these different environments that doesn't look like every other youth group. But let's not allow anyone who doesn't understand our strategy and our purpose to undermine the fact that 100% our goal is to equip every young person we know to live the bigger story But we have a process and a plan that starts off creating a warmer, welcoming environment, helping kids connect as friends in a lounge environment on the way to joining the kitchen where we go deep in our faith, where we do community together, where we really encourage and cheer one another on to be God's people so that we can go back to our neighborhood and love them the way Christ loves us. Does that make sense? So that's an example of how we try to do this. Now, John chapter 20, verse 21 to 22, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, hold on to that verse in your mind. We have uh, six core tenets uh, that kind of shape the way we think about mission and vision here at the church. And I'm not going to unpack them, I'm just going to run through them quickly. But they include community, the value of community. Mercy and justice as the major theme that runs through the entire counsel of God, the entire scripture. Our gatherings, family, people development, which is like discipleship and developing people for every aspect of life, and genuine transformation, where we move from who we are now to increasingly becoming more and more like Christ our Saviour. During the week, I was chatting to a couple of different people, one of which was Stephen, and he shared a quote with me by Simon Sinek that I went, oh, this encaptures what I want to talk about today. And the quote is this, if you have the opportunity to do amazing things in your life, can we all say this together? Bring someone with you. Every one of us have got the chance to do amazing things. Now, amazing things is pretty relative, right, to to your context. But if you have the chance to do anything amazing, and in this context, I'd say our mission and our vision is pretty amazing, If you're going to do that in your life, then bring someone with you. Recently, a famous um, proverb of Ryan Smith's, some people say it's an African proverb, but we've heard Ryan Smith say it, so he's getting the credit. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Here he is. You're a wise man. You're a wise man. Whether it it came from you or somewhere else, but anyway, tried to attribute to whoever. I didn't know who the person was that made that African proverb, so it felt like Ryan's the guy. But that's a powerful thought. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, let's do it together. What a beautiful picture. And here's the phrase I want to share with you today. It's this. In 2024... Let's all, as a community and as individuals, do something radical. And that is, let's bring someone with you. Bring someone with you. Let me explain how this works. This works on a mission level. How many people have heard, heard of Edward McMacken? Can I get a show of hands? Yep, a couple of people that have told the same story that I'm about to tell you. Right. Edward McMacken was a kid who grew up in... Uh, you know, the South in the US, uh, in a farming community. And back in the day, and this is in the earlier part of the last century, 
They used to have preachers come around in big tents. Occasionally still people do it these days. And there was a preacher coming to town in a big tent. And so Edward had this truck and he went and asked some friends if they wanted to come along to this tent crusade where a preacher was going to tell them about the good news of who Jesus is. And so he asked a bunch of friends and a bunch of them said, yep, we'll jump on the truck and we'll come along too. But he had a friend of his that he asked and he said, would you come? And the, the kid was like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't sound that exciting. And he said, there's going to be a whole bunch of girls coming. He's like, it sounds exciting. And he said, I'll come and I'll help you drive the truck. So he, he comes along with his friend, Edward McMacken, and they go along to this tent crusade. And there's two different versions of the story going around. One says on the first night of the crusade and one says on the last night of the crusade. I don't really know, but it doesn't really matter. But just in case you're the person who's the historian in the place, I just needed to cover my bases. But when the preacher at the event was calling for a response for those who wanted to receive Jesus' forgiveness and to live their life according to his way, this young man stood up and he walked to the front with all the people as they responded to that call of salvation to follow Christ. This young man's name was Billy Graham. How many people have heard of Billy Graham? Show of hands. Billy Graham is the most famous evangelist of the last century who shared the good news of how God loves this world so much that he died to demonstrate his love. That all those who believe, you get to be in on this magnificent thing that God is doing, this eternal life that is offered to everyone. We all probably are never going to be Billy Graham's. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Billy Graham. As I got older, I mean, I'm not giving up just yet, but I've kind of realised I'm probably not going to be Billy Graham. No one's invited me. I've never had the opportunity to speak to you know, a million people in one gathering to tell them about how amazing Jesus is. But, but the point of the story is that every single one of us can be an Edward McMacken. We can bring someone with us to something. We can bring someone with us to Alpha. We can bring someone with us when the time is right to something that will serve and bless this person that we're doing life with on their journey. But bringing someone with you isn't just about inviting someone to encounter Jesus for the first time, as amazing as that is. It's actually about inviting people on the life that we're on to say, come and do life with me. Come and do life as we seek to follow Jesus in his way. And one of the ways I want to talk about that this morning is our global mission. This year, now in a, a post-COVID uh, society and culture, except for at Good Life, where half our staff this week, I feel like, got sick with COVID. Um, it was a bit of a rough week here. Um, we're expanding our, our, our mission globally, and that is because we want to go and we want to see what God is doing around the world with our mission partners, where there's opportunity to do that. And in particular, this year in September, we're going to be launching a global mission trip to the partner churches where most of us here, uh, we're, we're, sorry, let me rephrase that, where the most amount of sponsored children through Compassion are actually part of those local churches in Medan. Uh, and so uh, we're going to be talking about this more on Mission Sunday in May, on Compassion Sunday. Uh, but this year we're going to be doing that. Now, when I was thinking about a, a missions trip where we get to go and see God at work through these local churches and join God in what He's doing in these communities, 
I remember the story of Caleb Fennick here, one of our, uh, he's in charge of all of our maintenance and, and this venue, and i never forget when he told me about his experience of taking his daughter on a missions trip and how it was a life-changing experience. And it just reminded me, do you know what? I'll be telling our young adults this tonight. I reckon everyone, as much as it's within your ability or power to do so, at some point in your life, you should go on some kind of global mission trip somewhere to see what God is doing in the world out of our own place where we live. And if you do it, if you have the chance, bring someone with you. My goal with Teresa is to be able to have the opportunity for us to be able to bring Soraya. And one day when Jacob's old enough, bring Jacob on a trip. Because I know how impacting it was when I have gone internationally to see God at work. It changes your perspective and it's a very powerful thing to do. So let's bring someone with us where we have that opportunity. This year... We're, uh, we're going to continue to head towards our goal, we'll talk about this later, of 500 sponsored children through Good Life here. We're currently sitting at around about 432. I know that's specific, but it goes up and down a little bit. Um, but I would love to see us hit 500 children sponsored through this community. One of the largest amount of sponsorships per capita of churches in Australia, which is pretty amazing. Is that, if I, is that right? Um, and it's a real testimony to the commitment here. But even in that... We can pay the, the amount, we can write the letter, or we can bring our children along with us to contribute, to be part of that. And I want to encourage you to be thinking about that when you think about that this year. Mercy and justice isn't just globally, it's also locally. And one of the great expressions we have with this is through Lifehouse. If you don't know what Lifehouse is, it's our community outreach ministry that happens out of the house that's up on the hill on Golf Links Road. And it serves people right through our community. Ruth Jeffs and her team head up an amazing ministry that literally ministers to hundreds of people who need um, you know, furniture for their homes or need clothing, uh, including the, the shop that we have there for people to be able to get access to clothing. It's an incredible ministry. And part of the vision that we have um, is for Lifehouse to expand because it's probably maxing out in many ways. And there is a huge amount of need here on the Sunshine Coast. So this year we are taking the steps that's already in progress for us to actually make Lifehouse its own registered organisation with DGR status, which will be an incredible thing that will mean that there can be tax deductibility given to it, which is going to launch it to a whole new level. Along with that, we're planning on expanding it, and I'm actually going to tie this into um, a comment I'll mention about our site in a moment, but part of the plan, and you would have heard about this before if you've been here, is to, our dream and our vision is to have Lifehouse down here on the site and the property so it feels a part of the community, so people can actually see all the different opportunities and ways they can engage in community, and it doesn't feel disconnected from who we are here. And so things are already in motion to begin those plans to take place for that. Um, it's a big job, it's a big project, and it's going to take time, but we are moving in that direction, and I wanted to update you on that. But I do want to say thank you, Ruth, and your amazing team of volunteers who serve hundreds of people in our community through that ministry. It's incredible. We want to expand our leadership capacity here at Good Life. And this year, we've got a faith goal to put on a new associate pastor and a new young adults pastor. And someone here has the ability to do that for us. No, just in case I th you, someone was going to put their hand up and go, I'll do it. I just thought I'd just say it. Here's the truth of it. 
we have a generous community here. Um, off the back of COVID, it's been a really tough uh, few years financially, and we have turned this ocean liner of financial challenge around. We're not 100% in the black, but we are so close to it. It has been so much because of the generosity of our community and our church here, as well as our team that have worked really hard to be super diligent financially. And it's very challenging when you have existing staff and you can't just go, cool, we'll just let you all go because of your commitment to them and also what we do from a mission and ministry perspective here. But we haven't been able to uh, yet, post-COVID, have some roles be back on team that we really need, that's been really stretching our leaders and our pastoral team to its limits. And our vision going ahead this year is that as our financial giving increases, that by faith we want to see another associate pastor come on because we have a lot of need and to see a young adult's pastor come on. Now, this could end up being one person potentially. Uh, We're not sure right at this moment. It's got a lot to do with who the right person is that God is bringing um, up for in that role. But I would love it if you could be praying about it. Um, I'm not actually asking you to give me your resume just yet. Um, But... uh, Would you be praying about that and considering even when you think about your giving or whatever, uh, whether you might be able to play a part in that? But I would love us to be praying that God will provide and open the right doors for the right people. Could we do that as a community? Thank you. The next part is we have now in motion a site master plan that we are working on for the entire property here. Um, You might just know of the property in, in this section where we are here, but up on the hill out this direction, we have a whole lot of land and we have a whole site that was built here in 2001 and then expanded in 2017. And we have a lot of vision and hopes to be able to reach a lot more families. And for us to do that, we want to find out what is, what is our best opportunity to be able to utilize the space, the land, the facilities that we have so that they can best serve us in reaching the most amount of families and people that we can in our community. So there are plans Uh, that that are in process at the moment. This is going to take a while, by the way. This is not a short-term project. This is a big-term project, but I just wanted to update you on that, that we are in the early stages of the planning phase at the moment for that, to have Lifehouse down here, to make our centre even more family-centred for a significant playground uh, and to upgrade lots of really aspects of the entire centre because over time, things quickly, when they get used by 3,000 people a week, it's easy for things to wear out. So we want to be planning and on the front foot of that. Starting next week, we're actually kicking off a series called the Good Life Series. And in a moment, I'm going to get, give you a chance and we're going to pop up uh, a screen. But I just want to talk this out just for a moment. We're going to talk about um, who we are as a community and what does it mean like for us to live out the mission of God And so if you have a look on the two slides ahead, we'll be doing a six-week small group study and breaking this down on the next slide. You'll see a quick breakdown of this. We're going to be talking about in in more depth and in some theological ways that maybe you haven't heard or it's been a long time since you've explored, how do we think about mission? How do we think of it in terms of what God is doing in the earth and His ultimate purposes? What does it mean for us to be a connected community? How do we all play our role? How do we find our role, discover our gifts, talents, spiritual gifts? What does it mean for us to be a celebration community? What are our worship gatherings and that look like? And again, we're going to unpack a whole bunch of stuff that I think is going to be really fresh and exciting. 
What, is, what does it mean for us to go on a journey of transformation and discover practices that perhaps might be new to us that might shape us to be more like Christ? And then how do we create a rhythm of life that is a life well lived, living out God's mission so we don't look like the worn out, exhausted people of the world. We look like a people that other people say, wow, that looks like the good life that Jesus is inviting us into. And so there'll be an opportunity to sign up uh, in a few minutes' time. After we do this series and we have Easter, we're going to go into a series for a while. I'm not even sure how long this will go. We're still working it all out. But we're going to take some serious time to unpack what it means for us to be a Spirit-led people. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts and all the things that everyone's got a thousand different opinions and ideas about, about how that works. And we'll be doing that post-Easter. I think that's going to be a truly transformational season for us as a community. As we really say, yeah, as a Holy Spirit-led people, what does it look like for us to do that this year? Finally, I want to bring this challenge to you, and that is this. If you are here for this chapter of good life, Sometimes when I listen to Stephen speak, and I think about 36 years ago, and some of you are like, was he two? Because um, he's a very young looking guy, but I hear him tell that story, and I'm like, I sort of feel a bit like I missed out. Like, I wanted to be part of that part of the journey, except I was part of that journey somewhere else, in a different church. But if you're here or you're new or you've come like us in the last couple of years, there's an opportunity for you to be part of the next chapter of the biggest story that God is doing through this community and beyond. And I want to invite you today to say in your heart, if this is where God is encouraging you and planning you to be, what does it look like for me to play my part with the resources, the experience, the gifts, the time that I have to be able to see this body of believers healthy, strong, life-giving so that we can bless our neighborhood. And my challenge to you is this. I want you to pray this week that God will show you who it is this year that you need to relationally invest in, love, serve, and bring along on the journey of life. It might be at your work. I have a few different people that I've written down that I intentionally am saying, I want to bring this person on a mission trip. I want to bring this person to Alpha after Easter. I want to bring this person into my community of friendships. And I've already been doing it. And what's my motivation in that? Because I've had people in my life that have brought me along on the journey. And it changed the trajectory of my life, like Stephen's was. So my prayer and encouragement is this, this year, our theme, bring someone along. Who's God inviting you to bring along? Maybe to mentor to help become a disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Next week, we start the Good Life series, a six-week series unpacking the mission and heart of our church. Finally, don't forget to follow us on social media on your preferred platform. It all really helps.
See you later.